Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? Yo, yo, yo. What's up? How are we doing? Good. Good. Recording on a rare Thursday. I know. Usually, usually this is your, you and Jake's territory. Well, usually we're like Thursday at three o'clock because we're recording a, a beautiful program known as the mailbag, which by the way, next week will, will be a mailbag. So submit your questions for the, uh, for the fantasy mailbag. Uh, we we're not doing the BTP mailbag as of yet. So submit your questions for the fantasy mailbag. That'll be next week. Just put that out there. Very cool. Very, very cool. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Yep. It's been exact. Right. It's, it's been one whole month since I've done a mailbag, and I'm having severe withdrawals. Oh, I would. I mean, it's like one of the best reasons to get up in the morning. It, is honestly, the mailbag. honestly, it is. I get up at five thirty every day, just for the mailbag. Just for the mailbag. Everybody's excited about the mailbag. Of course, who wouldn't be excited about the mailbag? We love the mailbag. Great program. Shout out to it's, mailbag and shout out Portland. It's fantastic. Shout out Portland. Give us Malcolm Brogdon, god damn it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Okay. So we have some head coaching uh, vacancies that have been filled to talk about. Um, one notable free agent that is still out there for some reason. I have no idea why this person hasn't been hired yet. Well, two, really. Well, yeah. Could also be three, but we'll talk about him. Well, I mean, Pete Carroll's in a bit of a fluid situation sure. in Seattle. So I don't know if that, I don't know how much that counts. Mm. But Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. Who's the other one besides, you know, Bill Belichick? Mike Vrabel. Oh, yeah. Mike Vrabel. I would say too. Vrabel's more deserving than Belichick. Yeah. Based on recent history. Yes. That's, it's wild that, anyway. So, okay. So we have Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go to the uh, glitz and glamour of L.A. for the Chargers. We have Raheem Morris, noted Hofstra man Raheem Morris, going for his uh, second stint as Atlanta Falcons head coach, this time full-time. Um, I think it was the interim before. After yes, Was that after Dan Quinn got it fired? It was after Dan Quinn in 2020. Yeah, that was a weird year. But, you know, good for him. I think Raheem Morris also coached in Tampa Bay as well. He was there. Uh, that's right, yes. right? Yep. Yep. And then we have uh, Brian Callahan, uh, who is now the who is the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's now the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And am I missing anybody else? Nope. Nope. Not missing anybody else that we have that we haven't talked about. When we talked, we talked about Gerard Mayo in New England. Uh, did we talk about Antonio Pierce? Oh yeah, I don't think we, we did. We, no, we didn't talk. We didn't talk about Antonio Pierce. We just talked about Gerard Mayo. And we talked about Pete Carroll. Yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah, we didn't talk about Antonio Pierce. So Antonio Pierce getting the full time job as he well. Deserved. We could we could make that one very very quick. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders made the absolute right decision. Yep. 1,000%. They made the right call when you have your three best players all being very, very public about their support for the interim head coach. Guess what? 
if you're Mark Davis, you have to keep that guy. Because if they hired somebody else, I don't care who that guy was. That guy could have been Jim Harbaugh. It could have been Bill Belichick. It could have been Mike Vrabel. It wouldn't have mattered. I would think that those three guys would all be on the outs in, in Las Vegas if they hired anybody else other than Antonio Pierce. But now that you have Antonio Pierce, you're guaranteed that Max Crosby is going to stay for sure. Uh, Devontae Adams, that's still a, a little bit gray. And Josh Jacobs a little bit gray too because of a contract reasoning. But I think there's now, there's a very, very good chance that all three of these guys are on the roster for the Raiders in, in, in 2024 with obviously Josh Jacobs free agency, that being, you know, a, a little interesting and we're going to see what happens there. And then uh, Devontae Adams as well. I, I thought for sure that, you know, it would be a hundred percent likely Devontae Adams would leave Las Vegas. If it was not Antonio Pierce's head coach. Now that Antonio Pierce said coach, I probably am at like 70, 30 that, he leaves, but definitely a greater chance that he stays um, with Antonio Pierce there than without. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. Do they need a quarterback? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, don't have, they don't have their franchise quarterback on the roster right now. And, you know, what they're going to do in terms of going out and getting that quarterback is going to be very interesting. This is a quarterback uh, rich draft. You know, you have the likes of uh, Bo Nix that could potentially enter the conversation. Maybe Michael Penix in the conversation as well, because there seems to be a lot of steam now uh, with Jaden Daniels. And we always have a quarterback every year that we talk about. You know, you have your top one or two guys that are just locked in and, and going to be top five picks. And then you just have another one that, you know, seemingly climbs up boards a little bit. Uh, the the word that I'm getting from around the league is that Jaden Daniels is going to be that guy and his ceiling is as high as number two in this draft. Well, it's the Heisman factor, probably. Sure. It, it, yeah, it's the Heisman factor. And it also comes down to you got to look who's in the top three as well. Three teams that need quarterbacks. With, well, Chicago may need a quarterback, depending on what they do with fields. New England definitely needs a quarterback. And um, Washington, they need a quarterback, too. And they need a head coach. <laughs> well, and they also need a head coach. Uh, yes, they also need a head coach. Yeah, well, the Raiders, I feel like to get one of those guys, they're probably going to have to trade up from 13. Um, well, if they're looking to trade for one of the top three, yes. Yes, but if they're if they're going to sit on Knicks or Penix, they could potentially be there because they're older, they're older quarterbacks. Older yeah. quarterbacks that are not super universally regarded. There are red flags on both of them. Well, Michael Penix, I feel like the injuries yeah. are like oh, absolutely those. The, that's the that's the big red flag is with with Penix is is the injuries, and then with Knicks, it's it, it little inconsistencies. You know, you had two two very different quarterbacks. You had the guy who was at Auburn who looked like just a bang average sort of quarterback, and then he goes up to Eugene and lit the world on fire there. Which guy are you getting at the next level? Are you getting the guy who was at Auburn or are you getting the guy that it was up in in Eugene? That's a huge question that is going to have to uh, be be answered for sure uh, over the next, say, uh, three months. I believe. Yeah. I believe. I got I got to look at a, at, a, at a calendar here. So we're January 25th. Yeah, we are th exactly three months away from the NFL draft. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah, comes at you fast. One of my favorite nights of the year, draft night.
what one of my absolute favorites. I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. The draft is always fun. Um, and yeah. So, any other thoughts on any of the other you know head coaching uh, hires at this? Well, point? I mean, we could just touch touch on the rest of them, you know, pretty quickly. I mean, we also we have we do have to talk about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, we'll say that one for last. Um, I guess we'll start with Carolina and and Dave Canales. I mean, he he yes. really got some major major steam towards the end of the season, and there were people that were telling me that Dave Canales was going to be a name uh, to watch, given you know how successful the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in in 2023 with Baker Mayfield uh, at the helm, and and listen, you know, Canales turned Baker Mayfield around pretty spectacularly. And now Baker Mayfield, we're potentially looking at him getting a major raise uh, just 12 months after he signed a one a one year prove it deal with 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 the Bucks. So Canales is going in there now, and and he's looking to revitalize Bryce Young, who was the worst quarterback in the National Football League last year, that threw a minimum of 500 passes, only five and a half yards per attempt. Uh, he was dead last in passer rating. He's going to have to be able to turn that 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 guy around, and it's going to be very very interesting to see whether or not Dave Tepper is going to give uh, Dave Canales an opportunity to get the most out of Bryce Young, whether or not he's on a clock to deliver. Because this just feels like this. Dave Canales is in a really really tough spot. And I wish him the best because he's a really really highly regarded guy around the league. But this just to me feels like this is going to be a situation in Carolina that's going to take more than one head coach to get this team uh, back. But I also feel like I said that with Houston and they were able to turn it around in a year with with D'Amico Ryans. So and he was also very highly regarded uh, coming in. And, and it's sort of the same, but but different with Canales. Because D'Amico Ryan's, I mean, everyone I think really saw him as as like head coach material when he was in San Francisco. Canal has really just turned up onto the scene, so it'll be very inter- interesting to see how he fares um, in Carolina, and he stays in the division as as well. You know, going up against Tampa, his old employers, uh, twice a year. Uh, there was one more, two more. I think we had to talk about Callahan and uh, Raheem Morris, and then yeah. of course Harbaugh. We'll talk about the the Callahan one first because the. The Morris one, I want to I want to get to and spend some time on it. Uh, the Callahan one, I think, makes sense. I think it makes a ton of sense. Get Joe Burrow's offensive coordinator. You've seen the success that Joe Burrow has had, you know, with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think also, you know, the Jamar Chase effect as well. I mean, what do the Titans need more than anything? They need an out-and-out out number one wide receiver. I know they have DeAndre Hopkins, but let's just face it. The Titans, they are going nowhere. DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to be a cap casualty in the offseason, and he probably is going to be a free agent to sign wherever, probably. Well, did he sign a one-year contract anyway? So he's probably No, I gone. believe it was a two. Oh. I believe it was a two. I, I, I could be wrong, but I think it was a I think it was a two-year deal. I do not think it was a one. Um, But if he does get cut and he does go elsewhere – where does that leave the Titans? It leaves them with Traylon Burks. It leaves them with Nick Westbrook Akine. It leaves them with Chico Conquo. It leaves them with Ty J. Spears. And it leaves them with Will Levis. I like this hire too for for Spears. I think that's like that's a big one that we have to talk about because of course, you know, Ty J. Spears is everyone's favorite flavor. I think this is gonna be good. 
for for Spears. I think you just got to look at what Cincinnati kind of rolled with when they had Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, a very similar style of running back to Tajay Spears. I think it's be very, very, very good for him. I do have like a rough estimate on my ranks right now. And I have Tajay Spears coming into, this is very early. I know we're not even in February yet, but just getting them down on paper and just going from there. I have Tajay Spears right now as my RB20 at 66th overall. So he is basically in the 6th, 7th wow. round right now. It, it, in the range of guys like James Conner, Joe Mixon, aforementioned Joe Mixon, Tony Pollard, uh, David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, in a very similar range um, to to those guys. I think it's very good for him. And I think it's also very good for Will Levis. I, and I think, you know, with with uh, Brian Callahan having experience working with a young quarterback in, in, in Joe Burrow, a guy with some level of, well, Joe Burrow had way more expectations than, than Will Levis, but... Yeah, it's hard something, to transpose. Similar. I feel like it's hard to transpose the Bengals and the Titans. It's because they're two different situations completely. Mm-hmm. And um, with different players, different skill sets, you can't be like, okay, so, you know, Traylon Burks is going to turn into Joe Burr or is going to turn into Jamar Chase. The Titans will sign T. Higgins in free agency for familiarity reasons. And Tajay Spears is going to turn into Joe Mixon. And Will Levis is going to turn into Joe Burrow, and it's just going to be. Well, Bengals. no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But you have a guy that has experience with with these kind of players and has built up an offense before, and that that is the avenue that I'm that I'm going down now. Traylon Burks in Dynasty, hmm, yeah, he's a very interesting buy right now. Very, very, very interesting buy if you if you can get your uh, if you can get your hands on him. All right, now the two big ones, Raheem Morris and uh, Jim Harbaugh. Let's start with Raheem Morris. I'm shocked. I got to say, I- I'm I'm very surprised. And and this is not me saying that Raheem Morris is a bad candidate. This is not me saying that um, he should not have been hired for this job. Everybody that I've t- that I've talked to over the last couple of hours has said Raheem Morris has des- has deserved this spot, and he does. He does. Rams, they were. I don't want to say lowered expectations, but they were they were definitely tempered expectations with with the Rams this year, and their defense was very very respectable with way lesser pieces than they have they've had in the past. And Raheem Morris, you also got to remember too. I mean, Raheem Morris has been a head coach before, head coach in in, in Tampa, then was the interim for Dan Quinn in, in in 2020, and he has familiarity with the organization as well with um, Arthur Blank. That absolutely helps. Um, and I think what is beneficial too for Raheem Morris is he absolutely is going to have a say as to who his quarterback is going to be. And I think that that is absolutely huge. And, and if it was, because obviously everyone was connecting the dots and saying that Bill Belichick was going to be the guy that ended up in Atlanta because of Arthur Blank's affinity for a big name, right? What's, let me ask you, Adam. What was the what's the maximum that you're getting out of Bill out of Bill Belichick in a spot in a spot where there is a glaring need for I guess someone to to grow a, a quarterback like I just don't see Bill Belichick grooming up a young quarterback like I would see Bill Belichick I think Bill Belichick was a great spot you know for in necessarily like L A in potentially Seattle. In uh, in well, in Dallas, if they you know had an op- had an opening there, 
Um, Seattle still has an opening, but I don't think he's going to Seattle. I don't think he's going to Washington. So, I mean, what was the most that we were really getting out of Bill Belichick if he if he did go to Atlanta? Probably a couple of years, I would say. Probably. You know, yeah. he's like, I don't know, it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, but in coach form, where mm-hmm. it's like you need to, you need to have a win-now team if you have Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is uh, is getting too old for this shit, you know. It's like he's not going to be there for a long rebuild because – He's like, I want to win, you know, my seventh Super Bowl so I can, you know, equal equal my boy Tom or something like that. But, you know, I feel like Atlanta, you know, they had a couple pieces, but as we've seen that team, well, I mean, part of it is coaching because Arthur Smith was terrible, but they had, but the other part of it is that the team was super top heavy where they have, you know, you have Drake London. Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, all great guys, a solid defense, and then what else? You know? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly right. So the Morris hire, I, I while I don't understand it because yeah, the bigger name I thought would have been, you know, I thought Vrabel would have been a great spot there. Um Mike Vrabel it, bringing it, it, in it, Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator in Atlanta. That would be something. <laughs> that would have been something. <laughs> I mean, hey, Mike Mike Vrabel. That would be now, hilarious. That would have been hilarious. My, it's crazy that we're potentially talking about Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick not having jobs like that. To me, is insane. I think that one of at least one of them gets a job over the. I think season. it's I, yeah. I think I think Vrabel. I think Vrabel will end up in either Seattle or 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 Washington. I I pray it's not Washington because man, oh man, would that be such a good hire? Yeah, that's that'd be wild. I mean. It's kind of crazy just as in the over overarching, you know, in the abstract, I guess would probably, is the word I'm looking for, where you had a lot of these young coordinators get hired, or not even young coordinators, just coordinators getting hired, kind of unheralded a little bit, some with experience, some without experience, but all the big names that we were talking about, um, the Belichick, Belichick, Vrabel, even you know the you know Ben Johnson, is it Ben Johnson or Brian Johnson? Well, for the Lions. Oh, oh Ben Johnson. Yeah, Ben Johnson. Um, for and Aaron Glenn also. So both the Lions coordinators, though they got a lot of uh, you know, people were thinking they were going to go somewhere, but it's just kind of interesting how the pieces uh, fell at this point. Mm-hmm. And I mean. There are only two spot, two chairs left, and I mean, well, the Detroit guys are playing for a Super Bowl, so I don't know. It's going to be a bit before they leave if they do leave. But um, yeah, and, I, and and one thing I also want to want to point out too, very very nice to see uh, Dave Canales, a Latino, Raheem Morris, and Gerard Mayo as African American males all get hired for yes. head coaching jobs. I want to clarify. I said playing for. Super Bowl. I meant playing for an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Please I knew what you meant. Yell at me. I knew. I, I, I knew what you meant. Please don't yell at me. But the but thank you for clarifying for the people. All yeah. right. So now Jim Harbaugh. Now yeah. Jim Harbaugh. The 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 big one. I mean the the opportunity. Oh my god. They had the franchise quarterback with 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 Herbert. This is this was an opportunity that I think Jim Harbaugh would have absolutely jumped for and most. 
would have jumped for because the Chargers spot on paper, this is a really, really good spot to be. But outside of Justin Herbert, what do you got? You have Austin Eckler, who he's a free agent. You have Keenan Allen, who is getting older, injury prone, and on big money. You have Joey Bosa, who has not played in double digit games in the last two years. Mike Williams suffered a torn ACL. He also is on big money. Corey Lindsley, since he signed there, he's been ba- he's battled a ton of injuries. And you have to look at the Chargers cap situation. The Chargers are projected to be roughly $35 million over the salary cap in 2024, meaning there's going to be a ton of turnover with this team next year. I don't think Jim Harbaugh coming in is going to fix the Chargers necessarily in terms of results. But I think if we look at the Chargers over the last couple of seasons, what has the, been the biggest complaint with the Los Angeles Chargers? It has been the guy who's been had to make the decisions with the headphones on has not made the right calls. That Brandon Staley has, was a master, a fucking master at blowing games because he just had no idea what to do when the going got a little bit tough and these games were close. Arguably, it's a cul- it's a culture problem for the Chargers. Um, I don't know if it's a culture problem necessarily. I think it was a, it's it's a combination of you have an old aging roster that can't stay healthy, and you had a head coach that was unable to make the correct decisions late in games. I can tell you right now, one of those problems is absolutely going to be solved in twenty twenty four, and that's Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is the kind of coach the Chargers absolutely needed to have a guy that is going to go in there. He is going to clean things up. He is going to trim the roster. He's going to bring in young, exciting, fresh guys to help the Chargers grow into a more competitive football team while getting the most out of the younger guys that are currently on that roster. And he is going to absolutely make the correct calls late in games and not blow games like we saw Braden Staley do. This is an A-plus hire by the Los Angeles Chargers. Very, very well done. And hey, Jim Harbaugh gets out of the crosshairs of the NCAA. Well done. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, looking at the Chargers on spot track, 2025 is going to be a fun year for them. The summer of 2025 is going to be a fun year for them because they have a lot of contracts that are up in 2025. Um, Khalil Mack, that's not – he didn't sign with the Chargers. I think that was a contract he signed with the Bears, I'm pretty sure. Probably, probably is, but he'll – and he'll be able to walk. So that's that money off of the books, okay? Keenan Allen. Okay. Mike Williams. Okay. Eric Hendricks. Okay. Uh, Morgan Fox, not as much. Asante Samuel Jr. They'll resign uh, Asante Samuel Jr., I think. Yeah. Josh Palmer. And then the, that's just everybody over a million. Wow. So, but Khalil Mack, I mean, over a million guaranteed for the contract. I guess over a million, if you want to go over a million average salary, there's also Chris Rumpf II and their punter, J.K. Scott, but and Donald Parham. But, I mean, otherwise, like, they could potentially have a lot of money coming off the books at the end of next year. So maybe Jim Harbaugh is like, okay, we're just going to suck it up sure. for this year. Although, I mean, 
Justin Herbert's not getting any younger, and he has a he has a gigantic contract also. So yeah. it's and I don't know is that even kicked in yet? Because he was drafted in 2020, so no, I don't think it has. Well, I mean, there, there there are no plans to change Justin Herbert. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be 26 at the start of next season. He's a baby still. Yeah. There, there, there should not be any worries about Justin Herbert going forward. Well, the biggest complaint with Herbert was he didn't have a coach that can get him to the in the right direction. He's got that now. There are no more excuses for Justin Herbert. None. Yeah. No. Well, I'm just saying, like money wise. It doesn't kick in, it looks like, until 2025. Right, right. And, and I'm just saying that, you know, the, the contract is not is not an, is a non-issue. Uh, age necessarily is, is a non-issue. But he goes in there, and we're talking in 2024, the end of next year. If we're having this conversation at the end of next year where we're, ha- we're having to have – the same sort of discussion around Justin Herbert and is he the guy, is he not the guy, then we have a huge problem. Yeah. There are no more excuses with Justin Herbert. None. Well, I feel like... But yeah, there's I mean, a guy who could fix Justin Herbert. This is the guy. Yes, this is the guy. This is the guy. I'm really interested to see all these coordinator hires, especially in Atlanta. Um, And here... Really in LA, yeah. Then they need they need to hit a home run with that offensive coordinator hire. Honestly, on defense too, with well, offense in Atlanta, but both really in LA because the Chargers' defense was terrible last year. You yeah. know, aside from that yeah. Monday night game against the Jets, but you know their defense was not was really not good. No, they got gashed and, by the run all year. They were gashed by the pass all year, especially the big play. Uh, where the Chargers got absolutely watered. Because honestly, the offense was like, all right. And I don't know if Kellen Moore is going to be back as offensive coordinator. No, I, be- I believe um, Kellen Moore took an interview with the Panthers oh, to be their to be their offensive coordinator. I believe Carolina and Washington. Oh, well, Washington to be... An Their offensive, offensive coordinator, coordinator. Mm-hmm. for who? Well, that's it. <laughs> that's exactly it. But but they they from what I understand too, there's some word that Washington knows who they're going to hire. Ah, so this is like yes. a like a Lou Lamorella situation where it's like I just I know, but I just won't tell you. Yeah, they could wait until after the conference championship games, which suggests. Which suggests that it could, it, could, be. it could be someone on one of those conference championship teams. And if we're looking at the the obvious names, the most obvious name of them all is Ben Johnson with yeah. the Lions. But that's pure speculation. That is not me reporting anything. Um, yeah, just pure off-the-cuff speculation. Yeah, I haven't heard of any of the coordinators on those teams except for you know the Lions guys. And I think Todd Munkin might have gotten an interview somewhere. I believe so. I believe yeah. so. So, but you've heard no- nothing about the San Francisco coordinators, and you've heard nothing about the Chiefs coordinators. Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm not like connected. I'm not as connected as you are, but 
I now I can yeah, tell you I've heard I nothing about the Chase coordinators and nothing about the 49ers yeah, coordinators. I don't think anybody, considering how they both turned out as head coaches, I don't think that anybody would like to hire Matt Nagy or Steve Spagnuolo as their head coach. Nagy will have interest. Not this year, next year. It's just the same thing. It's literally fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me mm. with Nagy. Because it's the same situation. But uh, now you know. No. No, I don't think so. I, I think you're the offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes. That carries weight. We were saying the same thing. I call it like in 2018. About Matt Nagy? Well, I guess, no, we weren't. Because he was the offensive coordinator for Alex Smith. Yeah. But... I mean, when you, when you see for Mahomes, it it definitely carries weight, and then you also have the Andy Reid seal of approval. That that matters. He does have a good coaching tree, I'll tell you. That matters. I mean, I can tell you there were also a lot of people who didn't think Dan Quinn was ever going to get a head coaching job again, and you know, look at him. He's, I still he, don't think I he's still getting his think second it's... interview with with Washington, and he's he's a real real favorite to potentially get that job, or then or maybe get the Seattle job. Seattle makes a lot more sense because Dan Quinn has, has that history there and he's worked yeah. with John Schneider and yeah. Yeah, if, if Pete Carroll has any say in that decision, I would imagine that Dan Quinn is probably the favorite in Seattle. But yeah, again, pure speculation. I don't know if um if Pete Carroll is gonna have any say on that. Yeah. And we're I just wouldn't th- I wouldn't think so, but you never know. I mean, maybe if he's because that's like I said. Before that situation is very fluid. So if he's yeah. like, if he's a special advisor to the team, then maybe he has say. Or if he's just gone, then that's it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll see. We'll see where the last two uh, the dominoes fall for the last two uh, the last two hires. Yep. Oh, also the Raiders. Speaking of the Raiders, um, they hired a new general manager, Tom mm-hmm. Telesco. Yeah. So Tom Telesco stays in the division. Yep, and what, what does Tom Telesco do really well? He absolutely kills it at the draft. Yeah. So not a surprise. Not, not a, a surprise, surprise to see the Raiders looking to bring in a guy who has a very, very good track record of of nailing drafts. So I, I thought it was a very good hire. Uh, there are people who were surprised. I was one of them for sure, but a very, very good hire by, by the Raiders, and it's crazy. That I'm saying that the Raiders might have actually gotten it right, but I think they might have actually gotten it right. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a, an interesting hire because, like Tom Telesco, I know a lot of Chargers fans were not really happy with his job with the job that he did in LA with that team, and you know they swung and missed on a lot of free agents over there. But I don't know. I mean, he was there for ten years, basically. And yeah, I mean, he's still so, he's still a young guy too. Yeah, he's still a young guy too. Um, the dynamic though between him and and um, and Antonio Pierce will be very very interesting. It sure is. Um, also, Vic Fangio. That's that was kind of a surprise. Yeah, well, me. I thought for sure that maybe that that the Eagles must have known something because. I can tell you right now that Vic Fangio was still on the market. We all know what Vic Fangio would be going. Vic Fangio would have been going to Los Angeles to join Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Because that was Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. That's right. 
Yep, Jim Harbaugh, Greg Roman, and Vic Fangio. Wow. And Jim Tom Sula. Oh, Jim Tom Sula. Yeah. Yep. Oh, what a fun year that was. Hey, maybe Greg Roman will, will become the offensive offensive coordinator for uh for Justin Herbert. Oh my god. Yeah, I'll take the, I'll take things nobody wants to see for a thousand plays, Alex. What is that? Is that a bunch of Ravens fans screaming in the distance? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So let's get into the main topic of the podcast now that we've covered all of this, and that is draft strategies. Yep. I know. It's January. Draft strategies. Never too early to talk about it, though. Never too early. I mean, we did our first mock, I think, in like February last year. So, you know, yeah, we're we are the exception, but still, it's the, why not? Why not? So, based on what happened this past year, all the wackiness, all the craziness, all the injuries, what? has caused your draft strategy what has really altered your philosophy your drafting philosophy what lessons have you learned in drafting specifically well i mean we talked about this on, on last week's show a little bit but i think it's important it's, it's it is important to bring it up and that's hero quarterback i think we saw it just just with this year look at look at the likes of the guys that you were drafting late you look at anthony richardson and the way that he started his season and he definitely would have been a top 10 quarterback if not top eight top seven if he was able to stay healthy uh, Matthew Stafford was a very uh, serviceable starting option. Um, Jared Goff turned out to be really, really good for fantasy managers. Dak Prescott was great for fantasy managers, and he was basically an eighth, ninth round pick. Um, hero quarterback is, is going to be the way that I think a lot of people are going to end up going um, in, in drafts this year, which in turn could push the top quarterback options down a little bit. The likes of Josh Allen, the likes of Lamar Jackson, the likes of Jalen Hurts. For for what it's worth, I'm going to be subscribing to the theory that unless you're playing in Superflex, the way that I'm going to want to go is I'm going to want to be going for a little bit of, of hero quarterback and take take two quarterbacks, one that's definitely established, one with that's younger with uh, with a bit of upside. I think the guy the guys we were looking at um, earlier earlier in the um, in the pre draft process for 2023, I think one of the the duos that I had said. It sounds like something that I would say. So if anyone wants to go back and check me on it, I mean, I mean, go for it. But I feel like this is a duo that I would say. But um, coming into the season, I would have definitely paired an Aaron Rodgers with an Anthony Richardson. I, I think that would have been a perfect, a perfect combo. Uh, Dude, but I literally—that's exactly lines. what I was thinking. Yeah. When you, I'm yeah. like, okay, so I probably, I probably did say that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very correct. Or like yeah. Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I listen, I I I think that that is the way that I'm personally gonna be going and attacking, unless you're of course in Superflex. Um, that's a much different story. And then we have to look at the the rookies and see where the rookies end up. Because I think Caleb Williams, with the amount of hype that Caleb Williams has, he's gonna enter this conversation of maybe whether or not Caleb Williams becomes comes a part of like that round eight sort of discussion. Like if I'm looking at the quarterbacks that I have in round like I look at the QB ten right, and my QB ten right now is Justin Herbert. Like I'm going to be moving Justin Herbert up, but if he stays in that eighty to ninety five range of like ADP, I'm going to be all aboard the Justin Herbert train. I'm going to have him in a lot of spots. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, 
I don't want to say Fields and Richardson. I feel like those guys are probably going to be pushed up a little bit because of the, of the usage of their legs. Um, but if Caleb Williams enters this conversation as a, as a potential 10 to 12 in like the quarterback ranks coming into 2024, that's going to present an opportunity for someone I think more established to, to, to fall down a little bit. And I think, like I said, you know, if you're looking at Joe, at Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert in like round six, round seven, round eight, I mean, that's just fantastic value and you have to be all in on that. I just, I just don't see myself in single quarterback leagues going out of my way and trying to draft a guy in round three, round four, even in round five, if, you know, that's where maybe Mike Mahomes is going to go. I just don't see myself spending that kind of capital to oh, land, one, to land one of those guys. Now, now, if Josh Allen falls into like round four, then we have a conversation. Then there is definitely a conversation to be had for me, for me personally. Well, Patrick Mahomes going into round five, getting drafted in round five would be, would be wild, but. Well, what I will say is I don't think Mahomes is going to go in round five if they sign, like, let's say Mike Evans. They sign Mike Evans, then Mahomes. Yeah. His, his stock is so volatile. Like, probably right now where we're talking on January 25th, him being in round five is probably like a round lower than where I think he's probably going to end up going. He'll probably end up at, like, the three, four turn is where, where I think he'll probably kind of settle. Yeah. Well, the thing about the rookies also is that you just have to see with the rookies how many of these guys are really going to be starting for their teams. You know that it's probably going to be Caleb Williams, Drake May, if, especially if he's picked in the top three, and then everybody else is kind of a wild card. I mean, if the hype around Jaden Daniels is what you say it is, then um, probably. Well, it also depends on where Jaden Daniels goes. Like if he, if Jaden Daniels like goes to Atlanta, I think Jaden Daniels can start day one. He goes to New England. Could he start day one? Possible. It, it's definitely possible. But I think we're going to see a lot of bridge options for for sure. Maybe like a Baker Mayfield ends up. Um, if he does go back to Tampa on a franchise tag, maybe he goes to Atlanta, serves as a bridge quarterback for whomever, if they choose somebody, Washington, New England. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix are probably Yeah, I can't wait to have the J.J. McCarthy conversation. Yeah. I just don't think J.J. McCarthy's all that good, but. I don't think he's all that good either. Like what? It, Just don't. It's like he's. You want to talk about system quarterbacks, man? So weird. What? What is it with all these quarterbacks from Michigan being system quarterbacks? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird one. But if you listen to people out there, he's going to say he went he went undefeated and won a national championship. So okay. that automatically gives him gives him some uh, some some cloud, I guess in terms of being a, a, a draft prospect, but that that's, that's a conversation for, for, for another day. Listen to, listen to the prospect reports. Those are coming back quite soon. Yeah, no, I, yes, I'll save it for you and Jake talking about well, those quarterbacks. Right, let's just, I just, let's don't... just chart this out right now. Let's chart this out right now. So go, go ahead, Adam, go ahead. Adam. I, I didn't want to say something. I got to think, I got to think to myself. Okay. Well, with Michigan, it's like they had an amazing defense and Blake Corum. That's the main reason I feel like that they, you know, went on the run that they did to become national champions. I mean, 
J.J. McCarthy is good, but he didn't like light the world on fire. Yeah, like, prospect uh, reports probably look, are probably looking at in like mid March. Okay, around mid March. Thank you for uh, for killing that time so I can do some uh, quick math in my head. You're welcome. It's what I do. Yep, yep. But I do agree with everything that I said. I just don't. I don't see it with J.J. McCarthy. No, he's bang average to me. Yeah. Bang average. I I won't have him as a top five quarterback in this draft. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, it's weird that ESPN is like, oh, so you want to look at the quarterback prospects in this draft? Here's six. <laughs> yeah, so they can get JJ, they can get JJ in. Yeah, here's six. No, actually, JJ is ranked ahead of Penix and Knicks. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And most of the drafting community will pro- will have him ahead of Penix and 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 Knicks. McCarthy and Knicks is an interesting conversation to have, but I think I'd rather have Penix over over McCarthy as of now. Yeah. Well. Anyway, we'll save this for for that. Yep. But for mid March when those prospect shows happen. Um. What have I learned from this? What has changed my drafting philosophy? Um. I feel like I say I feel like I say this every year, but I want to take more chances next year on guys. Because I feel like I just don't do that. Five years. Yeah, I know. It's like the same. It's just you know New Year's resolutions, even though it's you know almost February. But well, what what I'll say what I'll say is this, Adam. We. All of us do this. All of us say that we're going to do something or another. And, you know, we go we go into our draft saying, yep, I'm going to do exactly this. And then what happens? You enter the draft. The draft gets going. And all of a sudden, you start thinking. And when you start thinking, you go back to what's comfortable. That's human nature. We all do it. And that's not just in fantasy. That's in life. We all go back to default on what is most comfortable and where are when where we are going to say, you know what? I'm good in this spot. I got a nice headspace, been there, done that, and I can go and do it because I've done this before. It's nice in theory to say that you want to take, you know, more more chances, but at the but at the end of the day, well I I say no. it all the time. I say it all the time. We said it I think we said it maybe a hundred times going into drafts over the summer where you don't win your leagues at the draft, but you most certainly can lose them. Yeah. And that is where I I urge caution in, 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 in that regard. But it also depends on what, what chances and what things you're trying to, to go for. So when you say take more chances, what kind of chances are, are, you, are, are you necessarily talking about? Like, Changing how you look at players overall, or maybe going and trying to target more guys that that because I, I know you, you're Mister Floor, you're you are Mister. Get me, get me your thirteen points, and I am loving you forever. Are you thinking maybe to go and try and target guys that maybe are maybe your floor is like three, but then your ceiling is thirty? Like, is, is are those like the kind of guys that you're looking to to target? Like, what are you trying to take more chances with? Yeah, probably something like that. Get guys with higher ceilings because, I mean, the floor is fine. Like, floor guys are good and everything. 
but I mean, also you really, you never know. I guess I'm trying to look for, this is just turning into therapy or something, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to look for certainty. I missed my calling in a league in like a, yes. I'm trying to look for certainty in a sport that has no certainty. Um, and so the, it doesn't really exist. So maybe trying to get those guys that like, you know, I guess I have to learn, like it's a mentality thing where you have to learn to take the, you take the 30 with the three and that's half the fun. Like, you know, it's, it's whatever. So maybe getting, you know, some of those higher ceiling, uh, low floor boomer bust kind of guys would be pretty fun at least a little bit. I mean, I had it. I, I've dabbled because Tyreek Hill was that every time I've had Tyreek Hill on my team, he's been that for me. Um, and so, I mean, it's a little bit of experience with that, but like, I don't know, just kind of throwing caution to the wind a little bit. Sure. Sure. I mean, like for me, I think maybe the chances that I would be taking maybe going out of my way to try and land a Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta, something like that, because I, I have, I've, I've said it. I, I think I more said it this year. I, I haven't said it in years past, but this year I think was when I started to turn the leaf on going out of your way to try and land one of those stud tight ends. And of course we did that this year and you got Travis Kelsey, you probably weren't winning much of anything. Um, but I think this might be the year where you're looking at Andrews, you're looking at Laporta, who, by the way, I have Laporta as my tight end one. It's not Kelsey. I, I said enough of enough of this. And I, I have it as Laporta. And the ECR also has it as Laporta. But the problem is, is that the ECR has Laporta as the 15th overall player. I am I'm sorry. I'm not taking Sam Laporta as the 15th overall player off the board. There's just there's absolutely no shot. Now if I'm looking at Laporta in the at the two three turn, is that is that something that I could consider? Yeah, that's something I could absolutely consider. But I refuse to be taking him at that spot. And they have Kelsey. They have Kelsey at two, um, at around thirty first overall. I have Kelsey at two as well, but I have him more at like thirty five, thirty six, and then I have Andrews at forty. Well, so, Travis Kelsey in the fourth round is a lot more palatable than Travis Kelsey in the first round. Oh, for absolute certainty. <laughs> Oh, and, and especially if they if they can land uh land a Mike Evans, people could see that and they could say, yeah, I don't I don't know about about Kelsey anymore. Trust me, Travis Kelsey, regardless of of who else they bring in, and they're going to bring somebody else in. Travis Kelsey is no doubt in my mind still going to to, to get his. It's just yeah. a matter of what his is now, but is the week to week ceiling as great as it? as it was probably not, but you want to see a more steady floor than he had, especially towards the end of the year when he really stunk up the joint. Um, the Kel- the Kelsey one is just going to be so fascinating. Isn't it? Like that yeah. is a conversation that is just going to rage all off season. What in the blue hell are we going to do with Travis Kelsey? And, and what's the ceiling where you take them? He's he he probably like if we're just looking very like generically at the board right now of guys in like the top 30 ish, 
like who's the most polarizing of the bunch, I honestly think that it is Travis Kelsey, and which and that's crazy given well, where it, we were 12 months ago. Yes, because it's basically we did a whole fucking series around taking Travis Kelsey in the first round and seeing how that how that panned out and look at where we are now. I know. Well, I mean, Travis Kelsey not getting any younger. He's going to be 35. Yeah. Next October. Uh-huh. And so it's it's going to be, you know, father times undefeated. Yes, and indeed it is. So it's kind of like you got to face facts a little bit. I mean, don't take this out of context because, you know, at this time next year where he could, you know, have a great, uh, a great season, but I just don't, there's a point where it's like, is Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Whereas like, is he good or is he just, you know, regressing? Is he on the decline or is this just kind of like an off year for him? Well, this goes into something else that I want to talk about. So I guess I'll just group it in together. Um, What's more appealing to you, Adam? I'm just pulling something from my ranks, but what's more appealing to you? Travis Kelsey at 31st overall or Dalton Kincaid at 100th at 100th overall? Um, I'd probably say Dalton Kincaid at the in the hundreds or whatever. Yeah. You know, I kind of I kind of would agree. Because Dalton Kincaid, well, he is now fully, you know, supplanted Dawson Knox as the number one tight end at Buffalo. Yeah, and the usage is still definitely a, a, a concern. Yeah. Well, Buffalo might also be very different. A very, very different team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like because, if you're telling me they, tra- they trade digs. I don't know if you've looked at the salary cap at their spot track oh, for the bad. Bills. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it, I believe it's Chargers bad. Well, I could probably tell you if you want to vamp for a second. Yeah, I'm very curious. Yeah, I'm very, no, very no. curious, but but Just I'm also talking. like like I'm also looking at the tight ends that are in that Kincaid range as well. Even like Hawkinson, Hawkinson there, and we don't know what his uh, health situation is like. I think I'd still take the chance on 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 TJ Hawkinson, especially if Kirk Cousins is back. Whoa, hell yeah! Oh, that that's as negative negative fifty three oh. million. That's five hundred twenty nine thousand. That's worse than Chargers. It's bad. That's bad. it's real. It's real bad. That's bad. That's, that's what's that's, the Chargers? Very 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 Did bad. Did you say what? The- Thirty five. Oh wait. 35. That's yeah. weird. 35. On spot track, it says negative 44. 35. That's from from what I saw was, was 35. Oh, well, maybe the same uh, Bills, area, though. Same, yeah, maybe the area. Bills number isn't as accurate, but still, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Holy fuck. Jesus and Rice is right. Yeah, that's way vault. That is ridiculous. So, I guess then, like the last thing that I want to talk about before I just give one more, and then we uh, then we get on then we get on out of here. So, Adam, are you looking at this Goddard, Kincaid, Ferguson, Komet group? Like, do you see yourself drafting if you're like when you're drafting tight end in drafts this year? 
is that like the kind of group that you're going to be looking at? Or are you going to be more looking at the Evan Ingram, uh, Trey McBride, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey group? I can't lie. I really liked having certainty at tight end, even though with TJ Hawkinson, even though TJ Hawkinson, you know, he got hurt at the end of last year. Yeah. Um, but like with, especially when Kirk Cousins was healthy, having basically not being, not worrying about the tight end position, having one less thing to worry about is great. Yeah. And um, I feel like, and I mean, I guess with these other guys, Maybe a little bit. There's a little bit of that. But, you know, if you get one of those top guys, it's it's nice. It's it's very nice. I can tell you right now, anybody who's doing best ball drafts, uh, enjoy getting TJ Hawkinson at a discount now. Because I can imagine that once we have more clarity on TJ Hawkinson, and I'm telling you right now, all you need to see is the words TJ Hawkinson reports to Vikings training camp, and his price is just going to go through the fucking roof. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to have be part of the weapon X program to heal that fast. Sure. Sure. Given the injury that he had. Absolutely. But yeah. he, he, he's another one. The, the price, all he, all they need to do is say TJ Hawkinson ahead of schedule. Shoots up the board. Yeah. That is a, uh, that's pretty crazy. What about you? Are you waiting for tight end or are you going to be drafting? Well, I know uh, you said that you were thinking about doing, you know, drafting one of those high, highly rated guys, but. Well, I was on that train coming at, uh, last year, but I think this year, I honestly, I, I kind of think that waiting might be my move. Like Dalton Kincaid is someone that I love. I, I love, 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 love the talent there. So if you're telling me in the in like the hundreds, I can get my I can get my hands on Kincaid. Guess what? I, I'm loving that because he he presents the like Kincaid and Ferguson. Those are the two that I want to be going out of my way to try and get. Oh, Jake and, Ferguson, and would that, be... and that's you know the consensus. That's the consensus tight end ten and tight end eleven. Yeah, Jake Ferguson is a, is, a, is very intriguing. Yeah. In the hundreds? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I just, you know, I'll just take this. And I'm telling <laughs> I'm telling you right now, David Njoku is, is the overall player 72 and full point PPR, the tight end six. There is not a chance in hell that I'll be drafting David Njoku at 72nd overall. There, yeah. No cause, chance. Because he's not going to have Joe Flacco throwing him rainbows. Absolutely completely. not. Absolutely not. Give, give me Kincaid and Ferguson in the hundreds over Njoku at 72. No doubt. Yeah. You think Dawson Knox could be a cap casualty for Buffalo? I pray to God. <laughs> because he's making I like Ray. His uh dead cap would be what's that? 20 mil. Oh, yeah, they can't they can't cut that. 12 and a half almost if it was a post June 1st cut. So, so wait that that they would save twelve million, or that would be tw- that would be twelve million against their current cap. So I just highlighted it and said, I guess it would be twelve, twelve point four eight million. Maybe it's twelve point four eight if he's cut post June first. I got I got this up now because now I'm curious because I'm definitely curious. I I have a lot of um, I have a lot of. Uh, Dalton Kincaid 
shares. So I am now genuinely curious about the 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 dead cap situation for Dawson Knox. Okay, so if they Yeah, no, not a chance. Not no. a chance. Now he's on the roster next year. Fuck. But they have an out. Oh, his potential out. out would probably be next year. Yes. Yeah. At the at the end of this year. So yeah. End of the 2024 season. They have an out. So that's good. Yeah. But that's good. So maybe maybe another year for for Kincaid. But I'm okay with that because the most majority of the spots where I have Kincaid right now are in keeper and 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 in dynasty. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. So um all right. Cool. Well, this has been fun. Um, I'm excited to see how everything goes, especially in a couple weeks, because there are some teams that have a ton of cap space. Washington, 83 mil. They have the entire NHL salary cap, basically, in cap space. That's nuts. And, That's absolutely you know, freaking nuts. They're in my division. Is, and the New Orleans Saints, who have the reverse who have basically the entire NHL salary cap in a cap deficit. But, you know, they'll just kick the can down the road. It's fine. Of course they will. They'll they'll never <laughs> they'll never pay because it's just like they'll just keep doing it for until the end of time. Mhm. You got that right. But yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcast. For my co-host at Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.